Hey there, welcome back. It's great to have you here. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Happy Easter for all my Christian friends out there. God bless. And anyone else in the world, may you have a beautiful, peaceful Sunday and rest of your week. I have a few updates for you. I recently started a PhD program. I'm going to be quite a bit more busy doing research and writing and quite a bit of reading. Quite a lot of reading, actually. So I have updated the newsletter, the LinkedIn newsletter, uh, frequency, the cadence now, instead of being weekly, which was quite demanding, will now be monthly. So once a month, we'll come back here and drop some uh, great knowledge, some insights, and beautiful research in terms of where things come from, what uh, learning models apply to what we do in corporate learning, and how can we best use that information? So make sure that you follow me on LinkedIn, and that will be Style Learn, the word style and learn together on LinkedIn. You can check links on the description of the podcast and also the links available in the newsletter, in the LinkedIn newsletter, which now publishes monthly. It will be publishing roughly around the second, the cadence will be the second week of each month. All right, so today's topic is a very controversial one, or let's say in the learning industry, quite a bit of a discussion as to whether backwards design belongs or does not belong in learning and development. And context is going to play quite a bit. So you know that you are in Stahler Origins, and we're going to take a look at the origins of this design model or curriculum development model for, for a better description of it by its by its authors, and we'll figure out, again, how does it stand against uh, other known frameworks, such as Addy, for example. Backwards Design is a model included in the book Understanding by Design by Grant Wiggins and Jay McTee, or McTie, actually. And uh, it was published, the first edition of this book was published in 1998. So that perhaps is the first key component of us getting a clear perspective of where this design model falls and what was it designed for. 1998, folks, 1998 is quite a bit, is about 20 years after the creation of Addy. So we have program, programmatic instruction already established, a ton of research on different elements and a ton of different instructional design models that have been created since then or before that day. So why was backwards design or understanding by design created? You have to understand the understanding by design is the actual book. And within it, we, uh, Wiggins and McTide discuss the need for backwards design. But we have to understand as well, what we have to really analyze is the purpose of backwards design. So the main discussion is what was it designed for? And it was designed for schools and it's still applicable for school systems. It has also been adopted, or let's say in the second edition of the book, it was adopted by many colleges. And the appeal of it has to do with a few elements, at least in my observations on the resources that I'm providing to you. And you can check them on your own terms and, and figure this out. But primarily the appeal is the alignment with Stephen Covey's 
quote of beginning with the end in mind. As a matter of fact, whenever you have this conversation, if you do a LinkedIn post, or even if you have any conversations with anybody that is a proponent of backwards design, that will be probably the first line you hear, begin with the end in mind. And that is great because yes, we want to begin with the end in mind. But the main thing is that most instructional design models begin with the end in mind. Addy is exactly what that is. Addy is asking you to look at the job. And the main difference here, if we were to consider it, is that Addy is looking at a job. Why? Because Addy was designed within the, the IPISD, which you can find in a previous episode here on the podcast, where we discuss the conversion of the ADDIC to, a, to Addy. So you can check that out and or check the other article that discusses it, and it will give you a better perspective of that. But primarily, we're looking at program instruction with a specific goal. And apparently, before 1998, this was a problem in school systems where teachers were so honed into books, textbooks, and material that it didn't really have a specific setting of a goal. They didn't have a specific setting of a goal. And this is something that the authors discuss in the book, so not my opinion. And uh, we can see it here in terms of a quote that is actually in the book and is uh, expressed as a teacher reflecting on using understanding by design. And here's what it says, quote, that's what I find so excited about this process. It is so much better for me and the students to be in the middle of a UBD, understand by design. Everything seems so relaxed. I'm more confident and the students are very excited. They seem to sense something more at the core of what we're doing. I suppose they sense the goal. The goal is usually not revealed as completely and clearly. I know what my students know. I know what they don't know. And I know what I need to do. How liberating. What what really comes out to me on this reflection is not reveal as completely and clearly, right? And that's because we have to really understand the differences between a school environment and a learning and development environment. So in a school environment, you have these contact points, daily contact points, and you have a school year to go through what you need to do and, and achieve that. That is not the situation on learning and development. Business changes on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. And you don't have the affordability to have a year to discuss a specific skill, job skill, or everything else. You do have the ability to set up training programs and also performance support programs that complement each other and therefore drive the specific needs or meet the specific needs and drive the performance goals that you're looking for. Great. All right. So we have that established. So that's the key component here is to know that you can adopt anything, obviously. Anything we can use, we can use anything to implement in learning and development in the corporate learning and development. But ideally, we want to be informed with things that, or let's say programs and frameworks and research that are aligned or close to workplace learning. So sadly to report, uh, Grant Wiggins passed away in uh, 2015 or 2015. Uh, may he rest in peace. He has done a great contribution 
he did a great contribution to how schools operating, how teachers uh, teach. And Jay Mactai still active. He does have a website. The website is uh, listed on the links here. It's something that we need to consider. Now, what's interesting is they publish as well a different book called the Understanding by Design Professional Development Workbook. And that workbook addresses how teachers need to also teach other teachers for the purposes of developing their career skills. So the important things to know here about understanding by design, which is actually the framework, and we can consider backwards design to be a model within that framework. And if you're confused in between the words of framework and model, think of framework as the foundation of a house and model as to the steps by which to do a layout within the house. Many people also have many different opinions about that. So you know, really, this is not what this episode is about. It's just a way to help you kind of think of what, what it is and what it's not. According to the book, on the second edition of the book, page seven, the authors state that Understanding by Design is not a prescriptive program. It is a way to think more purposefully and carefully about the nature of any design that has understanding as the goal. That is a key problem that you have with corporate learning. In corporate learning, you want people to perform specific jobs. If we're talking about, you know, performance of a job, right? And I'm not talking about training for awareness or, you know, a better day sort of training. Or if we refer back to the first episode, which is uh, about the uh, instructional models that were set back in 1919, meaning a training are going to surmise that it's training for action, not training for cold storage. So training for cold storage meant that you, I'm teaching you something today and in a shiny, in a rainy, shiny day, you're going to pull that knowledge out of somewhere and that's going to help you. And we know that that is not effective at all. It is a good reference though, but it's not what you want in a corporate learning environment. You know, if I have to, if, if I have to, for example, do something specific to project management, I need to have performance support resources that I can refer to real quick, a web page or a PDF or something like that. In the case that I'm not too, let's say, sapient about it, I'm not too knowledgeable about it. So I do the quick reference, maybe I do a Google search and then I get back on track. But I do know how to manage a project in the basics, right? So back to the discussion of understanding by design, it's clear to understand a few things, or let's say, actually know a few things, and then you can move on to understanding. Understanding is, is quite the ambiguous word. It was ambiguous, it was determined ambiguous by Benjamin Bloom in 1956, and this is something that the authors mentioned in the book, and uh, they refer to it as being something more important as to understanding, and that's great. Understanding is good as long as you completely state and delineate what is it that is to be achieved out of understanding. Because you understand rocket science, but a rocket scientist understands rocket science. Who understands it more? Who are you going to rely better? Unless you're a rocket scientist, of course. So I hope you get my point on that. So from a critical perspective, I got to tell you, you make your own judgments. You go take a look at this book which is available through the archive 
Org website, which is an amazing website and is under attack right now by some uh, book publishers because they're offering this great books, for example, uh, for free. I mean, at least temporarily. It's not something you can essentially download, but you can actually view the content. You can read the book online. And uh, please do support the archive as much as you can because this is how you're getting this great knowledge and how I'm able to provide this research as well without having to, you know, purchase things out of pocket. Okay, so how does backwards design work? Well, I don't have to tell you. I'm going to tell you real quick here, but you can definitely Google this and you'll find many universities showing the examples. Essentially, it's a simplified methodology that appears to really just make Addy super easy, but it misses so many of the details that are intrinsically important. So we start with three stages. The stages are identify desired results, determine acceptable evidence is your next step. And the last step is to plan learning experiences and instruction. Okay, how does that look like? The book is great because the book shows you some examples or templates of what to do with that. In stage one, or desired results, we're looking at page 22 here. You have established goals, which is what relevant goals, content standards, course program objectives, learning outcomes, will this design address? Good. Then you have understandings within that stage, and that is what are the big ideas, what specific understandings about them are desired, and what misunderstandings are predictable. And then some essential questions, like what provocative questions will foster inquiry, understanding, and transfer learning. So this is all great for schools. And you can definitely see that there are some elements in there that we can use in learning and development. What key knowledge and skills will students acquire as a result of this unit? What should they eventually be able to do as a result of knowledge and skills? And then you have stage two. So when we get into stage two, you determine already what things you need to do or want to do for the betterment of the students. Then we have the performance tasks and the performance tasks will be through what authentic performance tasks will students demonstrate the desired understandings. Now this is borrowed, this terminology, authentic performance tasks. This has been borrowed from program instruction and that dates back to Tyler's curriculum design going all the way through performance improvement. As a matter of fact, if you listen or see any posts from Guy Wallace, you will see that the word authentic is used quite a bit. Shout out to Guy Wallace, guy keeping the good essence of programmatic instruction and performance improvement going in the world today. We also have what should they eventually be able to do as a result of such knowledge and skills. Now, this is key here because able to do is a good concept. Able to do is a good concept we need to borrow. That's something that we want people to be able to adopt. It goes back to that mention that we made of 1919, the Emergency Fleet Corporation, trained for applicable, applicable action, not for cold storage. And if we move them forward, um, oh, by the way, just before moving forward to the last stage, we see that on the second stage, you want to do evidence and the evidence are quizzes, tests, academic prompts, observations, homework, journals, 
So obviously this is very in, in tune with school environments. As we go to stage three, that is the learning plan. So that's how you uh, design for instruction. And within it, there is somewhat of a prescriptive, I mean, they never claim that this is a prescriptive program, but you do have an acronym. And the acronym is called WHERE TO. So in this acronym, you have the WHERE, the WHAT, and that starts with a W. And so that is the WHERE and the WHAT. What students will do and WHERE will they apply it. Then you have the H, which is the hook, all students and the hold and hold their interest. This is a good, this is a good, um, this is a good approach in terms of interest. A lot of people focus on attention and obviously Gagne gave us attention, but Gagne also met, meant that attention was, uh, was very close linked with interest. Interest is super important because people need to have some kind of stake, some kind of buying into what they're going to do. That is, this is backed up by pretty much any other theory, adult learning theory going all the way back. We don't have to get into that, right? You know this if you are a learning professional, uh, learning professional in any uh, environment. Then we have equipped, equip the students and experience and exploration. So good. And then on the R of that where to, we have the opportunities to rethink. So the opportunity to rethink and reflect. We have E, which is uh, allow students to evaluate their work and its implications. So again, something that we can use. And T, which is to be tailored, personalized, of the different needs, interests, and abilities of learners. Good in some respect, yes. It could be conflated with learning styles in some respects. So personalization is great, no doubt. Context matters, of course. So what is it that we are actually trying to achieve in the organization? And then on O is to be organized, to maximize initial and sustained engagement, as well as effective learning. Now, it's, uh, it bears to mention that in the second edition is where you get the where to. Uh, the T and the O were added in the second edition. The first edition did not include those aspects. This is backwards design. This is where it came from. It leaves me with a lot of big questions. Absolutely. It leaves me with a lot of big questions. And I get some questions that you can also ask yourself. Like, what were teachers doing before 1998, before this revealing model? I have some critical observations in terms of what um, Wiggins and McTighe came from or did. Um, the fact that they never reference Robert Gagné, uh, they don't use Robert Gagné in their references. And that is a big... That is a big gap because Gagné started research and focused on task analysis. And maybe that is why Gagné is not part of the um, references and the resources used to write the book. There's also no mention of David Merrill. And David Merrill is another, another essential piece of the development of instructional design um, because he continued the work of Robert Gagné. Not only mainly because we got to think that Gagné published the human conditions of learning in 1965, and then Merrill continued on to that work and created all the great um, principles and frameworks on that. This is it. This is backwards design. I think where does it apply? I think backwards design is a great tool, whatever you have students. So if you have an environment in which you are going to have students, it will be great to use backwards design. This can be applied in corporate learning 
if you have an environment in which you have students. So if you're working, you know, because corporate learning really, um, we have to consider corporate learning in many contexts and aspects, right? So a ec tech, an ec tech firm or an ec tech software technology company is a company and it has employees and they need to be trained. And they should be trained on things that are aligned to their clients. And their clients are going to be school systems. So you don't want to come into school systems discussing systemic instructional design, systems approach to training, and something that is not backwards design because it won't click. It won't be something that is what schools are practicing. That is, you know, that'll be probably the parting thought I give you. You are a learning professional. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Make sure you come back uh, the second week of next month where a new episode will come around. You have the ability to influence what topic we discuss. Um, if you go on, on Spotify, you can comment, whatever you can comment. If you see my post on LinkedIn, you can comment as well and ask me or ask for whatever topic you want to discuss. I want to know more about X or where this come from. I'll be glad to take a look at that. I'll take a note. I promise that if I see it, I'll take a note. Make sure you tag me or if it isn't the podcast, I'll be notified. Okay, this is all I have for today. May you have a blessed, awesome rest of the month, regardless of your beliefs, spiritual connection, and anything else. I want you to do good. I want you to grow. And that's what we're here for.